This is Less Parent on Purpose. It's a parenting podcast for those who want to thrive and not just survive these parenting years. My name is Jay Holland, and I'll be bringing with me tips and tricks and tools that I've learned along the way in 20 plus years of youth ministry, parenting, and foster parenting. So two or three years ago, I began to notice something that I think had been happening for some time, but just took me a while to start paying attention. Um, a little background, growing up, and maybe this is West Virginia, but I think it's actually typical for most who grew up in churches, at least in Baptist-type churches, um, regular church attendance really looked like being there nearly every Sunday morning of the year. Um, family may have had a couple weeks of vacation a year, a couple times sick or a special event, So, but really like 45 times a year or more. Um, they even gave out perfect attendance awards in Sunday school because there were people who literally never missed a single day of, of uh, church or Sunday school over the course of an entire year. Um, so every Sunday morning, most of the time for Sunday school and church, as well as uh, Wednesday night church, Sunday night church, and the most regular people were there every Sunday morning and at least on Sunday nights or Wednesday nights, and a lot of them both. And that just kind of, I don't know, maybe it was West Virginia where there wasn't anything else to do, but I think from from other people I've talked to in different parts of, of the country, that was pretty normal. And as a, as a youth pastor, we track attendance with uh, the students who come on Sunday mornings in our youth ministry. We don't track individual attendance as a church, but I, I have noticed as I start to go through um, our youth roles that it really takes for those who are kind of on our list and would consider themselves regulars um, where they would say that our church is their church home. Um, it takes about five to six weeks to get all of those kids through um, who would actively say that they go to our church. Um, now you have in that, you have a small slice that are there nearly every time. Um, but I would say in general, the most the people who you would consider regulars, and this isn't just kids, this is their families as well. Um, regular church attendance for like the very faithful regular people now is about three times a month. It seems like for some reason or another, there's about one time a month that even your most regular people seem to be gone. Um, and then for those who are a little more on the casual level, uh, one to two times attending a month for those who in, in their minds would very much say that this is my church. I'm a part of it. I love it. Um, but one to two months may be the amount they show up. And then there's a whole nother realm where literally it's once every few weeks. And these are not Christmas and Easter people. These are people who would say that they're active, active churchgoers. Um, and I'm not here to just blast culture today. I'm just here to notice some of these things. And uh, what does that do? It means that when I was growing up, um, the average regular faithful church attender was at 100 to 130 meetings a year of just church meetings. Um, I'm kind of making up those numbers, but I think they're about accurate. If you count Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, all of those opportunities that you had. Um you know, we don't do Sunday night service. We have a lot of life groups that meet throughout the week, and you have a good number of people that are involved in those. So you have Sunday morning service, and you have Wednesday night service, and that's kind of the bulk for most people. And I would say that our average kid comes probably twice a month. Um, and on Wednesdays, 
maybe once a month or more. Now, again, I have a core that's kind of exceptionally there um, all the time. And so I, I think what I see is I have a core of kids who make up half the attendance every week, and those kids are nearly always here. But that other half is actually made up by at least two-thirds of the people who would call this church their home. And that's kind of typical. Maybe we're actually even above average. I like to think that we're above average on everything. So maybe we're even above average on that. But by extension, that means that that's kind of what's going on with their families as well. Um, So without blasting culture or critiquing, one of the things that that means is that the average regular or even kind of in a sense, those who you would consider faithful churchgoer now, um, maybe hit 60 to 65, maybe 75 meetings over the course of a year. But I think it's actually probably much lower than that versus 100 to 130 in the past. Now, I got to be honest, you know, I've changed over time too. So the idea of 130 to 150 meetings a year sounds exhausting to me right now, especially as a parent with four kids and all of the different complications that come with that. Um, But there is a reality that the more you're around people, the closer you are to them. The more you're around people, the more you know that group of people. And so, you know, growing up, uh, it was a smaller church, but it was a mid-sized church, and especially for that area. But, you know, there was a very faithful core of the same couple hundred people that you saw over and over and over again as the year went on, and you really got to know them over time. And so you kind of had your natural group whenever crisis and calamity hit. People knew when you were sick because you weren't there, and so immediately it popped up on their radar. If you're not there, oh, something must be wrong, and they check on you and they take care of you. Um, And now we're in... We're just in a different culture, and I think there's a few reasons for that. Some of the ones that I've thought about are, number one, jobs have changed. Um, most of the jobs in the past had something that looked more like a 9 to 5, a Monday 9 to 5, or 8 to 4, 8 to 5. Even with overtime, there was a lot more fixed Monday to Friday schedule, and uh, the hours now are just strange. Um you know, Sunday is just another work day in this world, and Saturday is often another work day in this world. Or people are working um, Monday through Saturday, and so Sunday they're wiped out or they want to go recreate. Uh, they want to do these things. Um, many jobs nowadays as well aren't confined to the office anymore. And so, you know, it used to be that the family was geographically fixed to wherever the worker, the primary worker or primary workers had to be. But many people now, you know, the laptop is their office, and so they can commute, they can travel, they can work by distance. Um, They have to travel a lot more for work. Um, And then another thing I just see is, despite the perpetual doom and gloom about the economy, um, if you turn on the news, we're all dying at every moment, but a lot of people have done quite well. You know, they're talented, they're in good fields, and they've done quite well. And I think the other part of that is with um, the, the advent of technology, you can be aware of great deals and on the spur of, you don't have to plan for vacations like you used to before because on the spur of a moment, you can buy a hotel and on the spur of a moment, you can type in the directions after you get in the car and get there. So there doesn't have to be the level of planning, especially for mini vacations and stuff like that. And so there's a lot of those things that are wonderful. It's it's the progress of culture, um, but they do have consequences as far as you know, being regularly involved in church and uh, in the church services. The other thing is culture has really changed. I notice with kids, sports seasons just don't end now. 
And one of the um, characteristics I see is if, if your kid's fairly athletic and you want them to play on a school sports team, they kind of have to sell their souls to the, to the club season. And that means multiple, multiple weekends of weekend tournaments, traveling away. Um, and you kind of have to stick with that sport unless you're just a super athlete. It's like you have to stick with that sport all year round in those clubs. So whereas you might lose a family for a season in the time past, it seems like that season doesn't really end right now. You, you might get them for a small season between seasons. Um, and, and again, I think that the other part of culture that changes is because of social media, because of the amount of people that we keep tabs with, you know, you see every time somebody goes on vacation because they're posting pictures of it and it can start to feel like, well, everybody's on vacation every week. We need to take one. And so there becomes this, in a sense, a peer pressure that you need to go do more. You need to, you know, there's a fear of missing out that just seems to dominate our culture. And it's funny because I see, I see the fear of missing out in people not even being able to commit to great things because they're afraid that something greater might come along and they might already be committed, and then they'll miss out. Um, and then the other thing I, I, I see, people are just committed to more things, but they're committed less to each of these things. So they, they got more irons in the fire, more hands in different places. You know more people than you've ever done, or at least you keep tabs socially with more people than you ever have. Um, but you're less deeply committed in any individual thing. And, and I see this in my own life and fight this in my my own life. Uh, and, and then finally, I think consumerism has been a driving force my entire life and well before me. Um, but it feels like, especially in the last couple decades, that consumerism has really begun to take over and dominate the way that we go about church. And, you know, I can tell you from a staff side, from a pastoral side, you know, we're thinking about how to make people feel welcome from the parking lot all the way through their end. Because we, we know that people make decisions about whether they're going to return to a church in the first 15 minutes of it. And that's before a lot of times they've heard the worship and been involved in the worship. And that's before they've heard the preaching. They'll evaluate it on, you know, what was my parking lot experience like? What was it like? You know, did people smile and say hi to me in the first few minutes? And so, like, I understand there's part of me that says, okay, we need to show hospitality. And so that's great. There's the other part of me that, that says, man, like we have become so bent around this idea that we should have it exactly like we want it, that it's so difficult for a church to, to meet that goal. And so it, it feels like that uh, we're wrestling against an, an age and a phase where um, involvement in church, involvement in a local church is much more driven by people's feelings in the moment and their felt needs, and a lot of times only as they particularly feel those needs. Um, so they may realize that there's something really messed up and broken in their family, but unless they're feeling it on that particular Sunday morning, they may not be driven to come and be together. And so there's this large sense that, you know, I go to church to get what I need for myself, and I go to church to get what I need for my family. And you hear it even in the way that we describe our experience with the music there. I really didn't get anything out of worship today. And, um, you know, the evaluating of sermons and lessons on what did it do for me. 
And I understand, look, I, there's a part of that which is totally right. You should evaluate it on, am I being fed? Um, but there is absolutely a consumer culture that has taken over the way that we approach our involvement in the local church. And, and it's that area that I really, pastorally, I don't know how to combat because I, I, discipleship just takes time. Discipleship takes time, and it takes time to be together. And I can tell you just as a, as a youth pastor, when I'm looking at a roster of 100-plus kids that I know and I love, uh, I don't know how to disciple them if I only see them once a month. I don't know how to disciple them if I only... I don't even know how to get their spiritual ball rolling if what we have is two hours over the course of 30 days, you know, those two hours of them being together. Um, discipleship just takes time. And, and so as a parent, as you're listening to this, I, I, don't, I don't at all want to say stop taking vacations and stop taking part of the blessings that God's giving you. But I do want us to think through the consequences of the way that we are involved in the local church and the way that we go about deciding when we're going to go, when we're going to stay, how many things can waver. Like, it's not that attendance to services is the most important thing. And I'll just tell you logistically from a, a pastoral standpoint, um, the more people that are there, on one sense it's great, but it's also more complicated because you need more parking, things get more full. Our youth room, if everybody showed up at one time, I don't know what we would do. Um, we would be wall-to-wall with standing room only, and it would seem really awesome unless you had any kind of social anxiety. But those are fun problems to fix too. But we do need to be aware of, are, are we approaching our involvement in the local church, which is not the mall, it's not a movies, it's not a club, it's the body of Jesus Christ. It's the family of God. It's the household of God. Are we approaching it as a consumer or are we approaching it as a family member? Are we approaching it as an ambassador of Jesus, as a laborer of God? Um, are we going to get, are we going to give? Um, and, and, you know, I just challenge you to think about this. Imagine how your child is going to feel about the church as an adult if the bulk of the commitment of their younger years was based on feelings and, and consumerism. I'm not just talking about the institutional church again. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Um, what are they going to think about the church as a whole if involvement in the church has only ever resolved around whether there's nothing better to do that day and we manage to make it and um, if we have a specific need that needs to be met? And so what I'd like to do is I'd just like to offer three suggestions for you um, in your family to help combat this idea of consumerism as a member of the body of Christ, consumerism as a part of the local church. And, um, you know, these are super simple, super obvious, except that we don't do the simple, obvious things. So the first would be make meeting with the church a priority. Um, make meeting with the church a priority. Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of the faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. 
and then listen to this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting the meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the first thing is just making a priority to meet together. And, and I see this, um, that my family draws together, um, my church family draws together uh, as the body of Christ for the celebration of what Jesus has done in our lives, but also for the sake of investing and encouraging in one another. You know, I have, as an adult, been a part of Sunday school classes where I've got to be honest, I've gone and I've said, you know, I've, I've got a Bible college degree, I've taught this subject material over and over and over and over and over again, and the person teaching has nothing insightful or new to give me in there. And and I know part of that is is my own arrogance, but part of that is like, okay, I'm I'm not particularly being fed in this. But I continued to go because I realized I have another role. And I'm I'm talking about not being on church staff when this was the case. And my role was other people in the class. You know, there's a teacher that needs to be encouraged. There's a bunch of other people a little younger than me, my age and older than me that I can learn from, but also that I can pour into and that I can encourage. And so I realized that my very presence meant something. Um, And so making that commitment to meet with the church as a priority. So, you know, when you come, come to meet, come to celebrate, but come to give you know, come and, and this is one of the things to coach your children in. Hey, when we go to church today, we're going to be around a bunch of people and we're going to not only celebrate Jesus, but there's going to be people with needs there. There's going to be people that need to be encouraged. And so as part of our gift to Jesus, let's not just show up, but let's show up to give, to pour out. Um, and so the first is just making a meeting with the church a priority for your family. Number two would be commit to a specific... <laughs> I have trouble with a bunch of uh, words like these. Commit to a specific small group. Commit to a specific... I have a hard time saying that. Commit to a specific small group. There you go. Um, The church isn't just a Sunday morning production. And, you know, we put all our focus on that. But real life change happens in small groups. It's one thing to hear the word preached and to sing together as you're sitting in the audience facing somebody, and the truth is that most of us forget more than 90% of what we hear. But when we interact with people and we interact with the Word and we are able to ask questions and, and, and go about it like that, we learn a ton. We grow a ton. Um, and also, you want your kids to commit to specific small groups. You want your kids to be committed to a specific group of people that can encourage them, that can equip them, that can hold them accountable. And and it's just hypocritical to think that that's going to happen if you drop them off at youth, if you're not doing the same thing. So you need to commit to that for your own sake, for the sake of the others in the group, and for the sake of your kids to model it to them. If you expect it, then you need to be doing it. And then number three is identify how you specifically serve in your church body. So commit to coming together in the meetings, commit to a small group, and then identify how you specifically serve in your church body. Meaningful service is the fuel for discipleship. It's it's the fuel to really grow in your faith and relationship. We're built by God to pour out. If you're just showing up at a church and you're analyzing it based on the preaching and based on the music, 
and and critiquing it on that level, but not getting involved in serving, you you have one foot out the door already. So jump in with both feet and commit. And when you serve, you meet people. You meet awesome people. You meet the best people because the best people are serving and pouring out. You find people that are actually able to help you along the way and are good good for your relationships. And you grow. The more I serve, the more I need Jesus. And the more I need Jesus, the more he transforms me as I, as I seek him to help me in ways and things that I can't do. And the other thing is you help your kids see how to serve. You help your kids see where God has gifted them. So if possible, in your area of service in the church, pull them in. Have them help do it with you. And if the specific role that you're in doesn't allow that, help them to think through and see how they can serve. You know, it could be as little as we're going to come 10 minutes early and pick up, or maybe we're going to stay 10 minutes late and pick up trash around the hallways in the kids' classrooms. Or we're going to get there early um, to greet people who are coming in, or we're going to be on the parking lot together, all, all of these different things um, we can do with our kids. There, you know, there's work days at churches, and you can bring your kids, and they may be terrible at working in your house, but you'll be shocked at how they'll do when they're serving for somebody else. Um, these are just three things. Commit to meeting together, commit to a small group, and identify specifically how you serve your church body. If everybody serves Jesus gets glorified. The work is not hard. The work is light when everybody serves, except for whoever's having to organize it all. Um, but we grow. Our kids grow. Um, culture is going to continue to change. We, we can't go back to the old days. I know there's never going to be a time in the United States that I can imagine where regular church attendance is going to look like Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, week after week after week. Um, but we can be purposeful in the way that we parent our kids to model for them the things that we know are most important in their lives, and that's commitment to Jesus, commitment to the body of Christ, and growth and transformation and discipleship over time with these things. We're not consumers. We are disciples. We are followers of Jesus. We're ambassadors, and that's what we want to model in our kids' lives. Hey, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope it doesn't come across as a rant. Certainly not my intent. Uh, just want us to really intentionally think through the way that our long-term actions mold and shape uh, our kids' ideas of church and uh, the body of Christ. This is Let's Parent on Purpose. It's a ministry of Covenant Fellowship Baptist Church in Stuart, Florida. Speaking of churches, we'd love to have you come join us for worship and get involved as a worker, not just a consumer. Um, you can find us at covenantfellowship.com. You can also find this blog at letsparentonpurpose.com. Shoot me any feedback you have. Share it with those you like. This is Jay Holland reminding you it's a marathon, not a sprint. We'll talk to you soon.